It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 33 of Operation Retroshock. I am Alan Price and alongside me, as always, is... Uh, hello, I'm Mike Lacey. What the heck? <laughs> I've been replaced? Yes indeed, treated in for a new model. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll just leave now. He and Mike just get better acquainted then. <laughs> welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me hang out. It's a pleasure to have you here. Chris, will you enlighten the listeners as to why Mike is, in fact, here? Uh, Mike is a retroshock, uh, retroshock raver, so to speak, as that, um, <laughs> he's always like posting whenever uh, retroshock goes up or Master Universe Chronicles or retroshock. Uh, Mike also sent us a picture to, with him uh, purchasing Indeed. a, not like he was a picture of him on the computer purchasing a t-shirt, but actually buying a t-shirt that Alan is wearing. It's not Mike's t-shirt, but he... Thing. Yeah. So uh, it's just a Mike uh, has set up Skype and uh, still trying to find his way around it. But um, whenever he came on line, uh, I think it was pretty good fitting to bring him on. Mike, what is it about Retroshock that you seem to um, take a shine to so much? Well, I'm 33, so the 80s and the early 90s, and a lot of the stuff that you guys discuss is right in my wheelhouse. So it's all stuff that I've grown up with and always enjoyed throughout the years. Cool, and you're the same age as me as well. So, and I'm just a child. Yeah. So this. every every time, Alan, you have a go at my age, you're getting a mic. Think of that way. <laughs> Think of the fans, <laughs> isn't that right, Mike? Think of the fans. <laughs> so obviously, Mike, we're uh, um, we're going to announce a our competition winner, and um, also we're going to ask you a question there um, to do with the family films, which we're discussing. Um, this time, which are Willy Wonka, The Muppet Movie, Monsters, Inc., and The Lion King. Um, while I'm on that subject, Mike, what for you would be your favourite family film? You know, I know you have a couple of children and stuff. Um, what would be one that you would love, you love to sit down and watch with the kids? Uh, my, top, my top movie from, from back then uh, was always Goonies as a family film. Mm-hmm. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, there was, uh, as we said, I think we said in the last one that um, in the program we watched, Lord of the Rings apparently was a family film, Beetlejuice was, and so was Gremlins. Um, I don't think that any of these are really family films at all. Not really. <laughs> no. I think Gremlins is a fine family film. <laughs> okay, well, it's certainly a lot better than Beetlejuice, so it is, but <laughs> yeah, it's neither here nor there. Um, Alan, do you want to go ahead and announce our competition winner? Indeed I shall. This is, ladies and gents, the competition we've been running for the last couple of shows uh, to do with the Michael Jackson copy of the Michael Jackson Experience on Connect for 360. And, surprise, surprise, the argy-barginess and banter that goes in between popculturenetwork.com and ourselves, claiming that we're from Norway and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, our competition winner is actually, in fact, from Norway. Yes, it's me! <laughs> no, it is not. Um, our winner is Magnus Carlsen, so well done to you, Magnus, and we will be getting the copy of the Michael Jackson Experience out to you in the post sometime in the very near future. Do you have his address? He is from Norway, yes? Yes, he is from Norway. Okay. Uh, sorry, Mike, you didn't win. <laughs> That's all right. You see, you got to enter these things to win it. 
<laughs> and you didn't enter, we could have fixed it for you to win. Oh, no, don't put that on air. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, Mike, while you're on here, we just want to thank you for all the support you've shown to do with Operation Retroshock and stuff. Um, that's why we decided to bring you on. You're the first person to actually be in the part of an introduction or some way, shape, or form, apart from, like, obviously, the people who we've interviewed and that kind of stuff. Hey, I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, stay tuned. Obviously, you'll know what's happening in this part of the show, but you don't know what's happening in the rest of the show. Uh, we're just going to let Mike go on, on his merry way now. But thanks uh, ever so much, Mike, for the continued support, and long may it continue, so they say. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. So join us after the break, and we'll be discussing a certain variety of chocolate that's of the Willy Wonka variety, and let's just hope that we've been good children. Alan's a bad child, so he'll probably <laughs> like having a blubber thing about him. Oh, I want chocolate. <laughs> okay, join us after Rick, folks. Bye. Say bye bye, Mike. Bye. Hello, this is James Etock, and you're listening to Operation Retroshock. If you like 80s cartoons, and let's face it, how could you not? Then be sure to pick up a copy of Serial Geek Magazine, the glossy 100 page ad free magazine dedicated to GoBots. And somewhat more importantly, He Man, She Ra, Thundercats, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. Head on over to www.serialgeek.com. That's cereal as in breakfast cereal. Go there now and pick up the animation magazine dedicated to 80s cartoons. Go now. Warner Brothers is proud to present the 25th anniversary of a modern classic, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Hidden among the countless billions of Wonka bars are five gold tickets. Willy Wonka's opening this factory is going to let people in. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? You got more, Charlie, because you wanted more. 25 years ago, Charlie won a ticket to the most magical place on Earth. All aboard, everybody. This way, Grandpa. What is this, Wonka? Some kind of funhouse? Why, having fun? Remember how it delighted you? It makes everlasting golf stopper. How do you make them? I'm a trifle deaf in this ear. Speak a little louder next time. How it surprised you. I haven't got it quite right yet. How it amazed you. Where's the chocolate? There it is. It's unbelievable. It's Wonka Vision. Return to the world of Willy Wonka, where life can be sweet. Hey, this is really great. And every child gets his just desserts. Don't touch a thing. Stuck in the pipe there, isn't he, Wonka? The suspense is terrible. He, he's going to go this time. Nobody laugh. He's absolutely bonkers. And that's not bad. No life I know to Feel the wonder all over again. I decided a long time ago that I had to find a child to whom I can tell all my candy-making secrets. Celebrate the 25th anniversary return of... Here it comes! Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Your golden ticket to imagination and adventure. Hey guys, Pixel Dan here. If you are a fan of toys, then you need to check out That New Toy Smell. That New Toy Smell is a weekly toy series created by collectors for collectors. In every episode, we take a look at the latest toy news, answer our fan questions, and feature a video review of a toy line from the past or from today. There's a brand new episode of That New Toy Smell every Saturday exclusively at PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to check it out. 
Lumpa Tupati I've got another segment for you. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that wonderful <laughs> intro there. <laughs> See that? That was off the cuff. But you're not wearing cuffs. You're wearing shorts. That's why I was off shirt. the cuff. So yes, everybody, welcome back. Um, I hope you enjoyed our slightly different intro. I thought it was cool that we had Mike on there. Yeah, replacing me. Yeah. See. So- it's just a matter of time, Chris. Just you see, you see me age and all, you know. <laughs> see, it's you do like them older. Moving on. <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, everybody. Yay. Family movies. Love it. Family film, friends, yeah, I called it. Triple F. <laughs> He's like a relation to Triple H, it's okay. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This was the first book that Roald Dahl wrote that was in fact made into a film. Was this the best choice or would we have preferred a different book? Christopher. Yeah, I really enjoyed the book, so I did. Unfortunately, I never really, you know, when I was younger, I did read a lot of Roald Dahl books, you know, the likes of that. Um, Matilda, obviously, The Twits. BFG. You know. BFG big <laughs> Giant. Um, that's what it sounds for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy this book, and I did enjoy whenever it was made in the movie. Um, it's something we'll touch on later on. I didn't really like the reboot of it with yeah. uh, Johnny Depp. Um, I haven't seen like the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, and I haven't seen. Um, I'm not really a fond lover of the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. So I know like a lot of kids nowadays would say like, oh. I like Harry Potter or whatever, whereas back in my day, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was one of my favourite films. The only thing you're a fan of in Harry Potter is Dobby. <laughs> Dobby has a sock! Dobby loves sock! Dobby will marry sock! <laughs> That's a wee bit wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have to agree. It is. It's a very good choice to be the first movie to be moved over from a book because. It's so outlandish that it works. Before you go on, can I read the second question so you don't read it? Fine. Flip your clipboard over. Don't look at it. And there we go. Okay, thanks. Carry on, sorry. Oh, Oh, yes. No, it's just a revelation, and here I don't think you know about. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, But yeah, it's the sort of thing of. It's a kid's book, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. Kids love chocolate. So you're going to absolutely like be... Yes, chocolate. yes, there's chocolate there. Well done. Um, so what perfect a thing to really get a kid's interest than a movie about winning a ticket to go to your chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. Any kid would love that yeah. sort of thing. And then obviously the basis for the movie is, you know, not that rich of a kid, he's poor, he lives with his grandparents and all that sort of a thing, so it's even more of a big deal to him yes. to get there. So it's got the good idea in the sense of you can go from being nobody to getting such a you know once-in-a-lifetime thing, and again, just simply because it's chocolate. <laughs> because it's chocolate. And it's yummy. Okay. Gene Wilder, shockingly, wasn't the first choice to play Willy Wonka. Oh, no! With Spike Milligan and... Even the enigmatic John Pertwee in the what? running to play Mr. Wonka. Oh my Could we Lord. imagine these guys doing the job of the sweet tycoon Mr. Willy Wonka? I could see Pertwee. 
Yeah. I can see Pertwee doing them. I can't see Pertwee singing Pure Imagination, no. though. No, that's you couldn't see that. It's like, come with me, I do... Yeah! <laughs> well, sorry, my... My... Ta- uh, my Taikudo just came into effect. But I could I could see him as the character of Willy Wonka, singing aside. I think part of me that could see him do that role is partially the outfit. Yes. The outfit that Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder wears is very third yeah. doctor. It's a cravat kind of thing. It's yeah. that sort of a style, the sort of a suit that Pertwee wore in his Doctor Who days. <laughs> it doesn't matter Willy Wonka wearing a cape. Mm. He probably would have if it had been Pertwee knowing him. Um, but yeah, you know, Pertwee would have been a good choice, but at the end of the day, I think Gene Wilder was a perfect yeah. fit for this role. Mm-hmm. As simple as, because he he could play the wackiness, he could play... He obviously was pretty darn good at the singing role. Yeah. And he can do comedy, he can do he serious... Said, he said, though, he would only take that role, from what I remember reading, he would only take that role if... You know whenever he comes out of the chocolate factory and, yes. he's, and he's got the cane? I love cane, that scene. Sticks, and then he does the role and he jumps yeah. up. He would only take that if they were to incorporate that into huh. the film. So that's why that's there. See, that's one of my favourite parts of the actual film. Yeah, well, that's from Gene Wilder, then. See, that's one of my favourite parts of it, is simply... That's him thinking, as a comedian, what what sort of a way would it be good to see this man introduced? Yeah. You know, they're all thinking, oh, this man has something wrong with him, and they're all like... They're all kind of confused. What's going to happen today? I don't know. And then he just does his role, and he's like, ta-da, here I am, and he becomes... Basically, the showman you see pretty much throughout the movie. Yeah, because you hear the like the kids all go nuts, and then whenever he comes out, and you hear the it's all, go, it's all swa- silent, and then his cane gets stuck, and he's just grasping and yeah, and he just there. falls and then rolls and jumps out and there. Yeah, the I think what it reminds me of is a wee bit like um, from the Trotters and all that sort of stuff, yeah. the bar. Uh-huh. Where Del Boy goes to do his fall, it's that sort of a fall. Yeah, he doesn't move his head. It's kind of very like last minute. He goes into a role very last minute, and it's just like you think he is falling, he is falling, and then whoa, hey, there he goes. <laughs> but it's, yes, it's good. It's good. Next point: When interviewed for the 30th anniversary special edition DVD, Gene Wilder stated that he enjoyed working with most of the child actors but said that he and the crew had some problems with Paris Themen who played Mike TV naughty boy mentioning that he was a handful back in the day who was our favourite of the Brat Pack Chris I did quite like um, wasn't it Veruca that was the spoilt one Veruca Salt yeah who was like daddy I want you know I want a pony yeah I did like her it's just the fact that she was so irritating mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, Augustus, she didn't really see an awful lot. I was like, Augustus, save some room for later. I actually have to admit that even though he only's in it for a short time, I just I thought Augustus was fantastic. I, I think it's maybe more the likes of that sort of interaction from <laughs> his, his mom. Parent, his yeah. mom. Um, it's just like, oh God, so save some for later. It's just like, you greedy boy. And <laughs> it's then he like just... whenever he falls in the chocolate, yeah. like, where's he? And goes like, oh, um, yes, he's... He's going to be dead. He <laughs> goes like, oh, the, the suspense is killing me. And then he just, boof. It's just like, like a rocket, and he's away. 
But I yeah. just like Veruca for the fact that, you know, like, they don't want to find it. And then, I got it. And then she gets a ticket going like, Daddy, Daddy, I found it. No, you didn't. Yeah. And it's funny the way he says, like, he ever finds a ticket will get an extra one pound in their pay packet. How about that? That's and they're all so going, exciting. They're going, yay. That would be like, that would be like, that would be like, that would be like, I'd be like, if you get through this pre-owned, you get an extra two pounds added to your Ollie paycheck for the day. It's so exciting. I feel like I'll go even slower then, see if we can get a pound fifty. <laughs> Only you, Chris. Only you. Um, I have to admit that I kind of... Oh, I have my head. It's a ghost of season for later. <laughs> I have to agree here with Gene Wilder about Mike TV. It obviously... They obviously picked this kid because he had that sort of a character already. He must have had some sort of arrogance about but him. You would have thought that from Veronica. You would have yeah. thought Veronica than yeah. you would of him because he was just like, "Wait a minute, I gotta catch this mm-hmm. and all that." Um, but you wouldn't have expected it from him. You would have expected it from the other one. Oh, it more than like him. Yeah. He would have been like the butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He, but he's pretty much the whole. I want or chocolate to... wouldn't melt in his mouth. Yes. <laughs> But he's very just... He's one that always kind of grinded in my gears during this when I never kind of just liked him for some odd reason. Whereas you can like someone for, you know, the likes of the for yeah. assault thing, but... I don't like the other one to do... Who was the other girl? She's forgettable. Um, I don't know, she's the one who gets turned into, like, the big... Blueberry. Blueberry, yes, that is correct. Give me one second, I'll find out who she is. Cause I think he says with some with Sam such such as guarantee, and people are going, "It's this, you idiots." Yeah. Don't worry. Give me one wee second. We've got this now. Just see. Here. <sighs> Calm down, Christopher. It's fine. That's. I love this fact of. I'm just having a wee look here. Um, one of the original front covers for the book. It just has uh, a chocolate bar on the front of it, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Um, there's actually quite Violet. Violet, yeah. Yay! Just as I found it as well. Um, there was in fact a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory ride at Alton Towers as huh? well. Um, that sounds quite scary. If I'm um, yeah, it's like the boat. That could be true. Scary biscuits. <laughs> or scary chocolate biscuits. Yes. Yeah. Dal was unimpressed with this film and thus pulled the plug on the sequel, which was called Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Is it just as well that they just made one film? I would kind of say yeah. Because, yes, this was a very, very good movie, but, and this is maybe kind of being slightly selfish, I never read the other one. Huh? So I did. I only ever was interested really in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, so a sequel probably wouldn't have meant as much to me. What about you? I don't think it would have captured the heart of the original one mm-hmm. um, because it it does it doesn't really stray a lot from the book. Obviously, with the likes of Lord of the Rings. Spoiler alert! Towards the end, um, everybody dies. Oh wait, no. No, well, yeah, in the book, everybody, you know, like, um, Frodo dies, but in the film, he's still alive, so mm. why would you do that? Spoiler alert, finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it captures the heart of the book really well. Mm. Um, I don't, I think if you'd put the, 
Especially if you put the um, fella who played Charlie in another film. Yeah. I think he would have been maybe, you know, like, oh, I'm a child prodigy now, you know, yeah. like, and kind of w- maybe it wouldn't have been as good, but again, we will never know. Such sadness. I'm so sad because of that now. Um, where am I? The movie didn't gross well at the box office, but it became a cult favourite with fans because of the TV showings and the video sales. Is this how we saw it? Obviously, <laughs> even Chris is not old enough to remember the cinema release. I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> you hear that, Mike? He's getting that already edgy again. <laughs> Um, so obviously we have no experience whatsoever as to do with the whole cinema release and stuff for that. Obviously, cinemas back when this originally came out wouldn't have been as big a business as they are nowadays. Mm-hmm. Not by a long stretch, especially in the UK. Um, but it's one of those ones that, because of the you know a video release. Or some you know home release TV showings whatever. Yeah. Um, it's always something that'll end up probably getting shown maybe at Easter, Christmas, or some sort of holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, more likely Easter because that's chocolate and stuff. <laughs> um, so there's always going to be that new generation of kids coming along that will experience it, be it having read the books or had the books read. But do you think that kids would watch the older one now, or they would watch the newer less? Interesting version. I know if it was me, I would be making my kids watch the original first. I know it was kids and you can't force them to do anything, but... <laughs> you will sit down and watch this and not move a muscle! I would... Augustus, say some room for later, darling! <laughs> You're going to have a kid anymore, Augustus. Just go, no, say some room right. for later, darling. Uh, Augustus is not a name that would be on a list of possible child names for Call me. Call him Argos, then? No. Um... I would probably say, do you want to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory before they are aware of the internet and stuff like that? And just be like, here you go, look, here's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, watch that. Mm-hmm. And see the reaction and then... Because I think, if you were to set kids down and watch this and they were completely unaware of the new one, they would really, really enjoy it. Yeah. But if you were to automatically show the kids the new one and then go to show them this one, they'd be like... What's this random singing by the main characters and stuff? Because I know there's you know, singing and all yeah. in the new one, mm-hmm. but kids would be like, why is this kid singing and why is his mum singing and all this sort of stuff? Cheer up, Charlie. Kids would just be like, what? That's, that's my opinion anyway. Do you not like to sing, Christopher? <laughs> what? <laughs> would you like to sing? No, I just did sing. But is it how you saw it? Did you think that? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, sometimes with anniversaries, say like Toy Story, Star Wars, you get them re-showing in cinemas. Um, obviously, not every film's going to have that. Back to Future got shown in cinemas again, you know, all that kind of stuff. Which I want to see. It's awesome. So, it's just a case of... Yeah, I would be like you, you know, like if and when I have children, you know, there would be a lot of films that I've seen that I I would put them down and say, like, okay, Daddy, watch this, now you watch it, and then, you know, I can watch the films uh-huh. together and stuff, you know. Whenever I came home from, I think it was work on Thursday, um, Sophie had been in my room and got the Secret of the Sword film, started watching that. I'm sure you were so proud. Yeah, 
I was. He's brainwashed the children. Way to go. And she goes like, yes, for the honour of Grayskull. And I was just like, no, you can't change. No, she didn't actually say that. It would have been epic if she did say that. And go like, oh, I love my niece so much. I do anyway, but regardless. I move on. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's just a case of very much like, you know, nowadays, the Goonies, um, Karate Kid. Um, Which, again, has been rebooted. Yeah, and it's nothing to do with karate. It's about you know, or, well. or uh, Star Wars, you know, like, the kids have seen the newer ones, and then, like, there was a kid in work the other day who, um, what, did they get the Star Wars game for the DS? And I said, the only one we have is the original Saga one, which he hadn't seen. He'd only seen episodes 1, 2, 3. He hadn't seen, in my opinion, the better ones, 4, 5, and 6. Yes. So, uh, obviously, well, uh, this film has been brought out in Blu-ray, so that's going to garner to a lot of mm. um, people who have Blu-ray players or PS3s or whatever. This, but, it, is, it is the sort of a dilemma that is rising nowadays with the fact of Hollywood thinking, right, these movies were really, really popular years ago. So what we'll do is we'll reboot them or we'll make follow-ups. Because this is the thing, like you're saying there with Star Wars, mm-hmm. is the fact of, yes, I'm considered young as an 80s child, considering I was born because I was only born in 89. But the thing is, even I grew up with the original Star Wars because... You know, the new ones weren't out until 2000. 1999. 1999, 2000. Close enough. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a year out. It's only 300-odd days, man. Calm down. Don't do that. I keep on thinking you're going to on me. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is the sort of cut-off point of, like, you know, the late 80s, very, very, very early 90s mm-hmm. was your cut-off point for everybody up until that point seeing original stuff. And it's kind of just after that sort of a time period now, we're getting all these reboots, we're getting all yeah. these sequels that are not necessary. Obviously, there's some things out there that us, as you know, the 80s and 90s people wanting to see sequels, like stuff, people with Ghostbusters and all that sort of stuff, wanting to see a Ghostbusters 3, and that sort of a thing. But it's, again, when you look at this sort of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing, you're just like... Was it at all necessar- necessary? No, it was not. But, ugh. Moving on, <laughs> before I get angry. <laughs> uh, the train journey where it shows the fears of the passengers is the scariest part of the film. Well, train slash boat. You know, that part. Tote. Boat. Tote. Train slash boat. Trout. 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 Um... Shows the fears of the passengers. It's the scariest part of the film. Where we petrified to, hell yeah! Oh my goodness! Because like, what the hell is there in that? Because wasn't there like bugs gnawing on like dead bodies or something like that? There's some yeah, sort there's of bugs some, and in there. It's like, oh, Slugworth Charlie. It's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, as a kid, that would just freak you the hell out. Whereas in comparison to the new one, again, it's a completely different thing, which we'll touch on very shortly. Um, and I think besides the flash and imagery of all these crazy and wacky things going on of what the fear um, with Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder doing the crazy noises yeah he's going ha 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 and all that sort of stuff and he's like cackling witch and that sort of mm-hmm. thing you're just like 
Whoa. And then he's going, he's like singing a rhyme, and he goes like, faster, faster, and he goes like, uh, Walker, stop the boat, quite right, sir, stop the boat, and stop. Yeah, and go, where are we? We're at the door. <laughs> We're at the door, let's get out, shall we? Let's read it. It says door. <laughs> Not really. Uh, huh. This film is, in a sense, a musical, but was our, what was our favourite number? Was it that one of the Oompa Loompa songs, or was it, in fact, the fantastic Gene Wilder when he first enters the main room with the lovely chocolate waterfall and everybody, and everybody's like, oh, this is beautiful, and let's go and eat marshmallow mushrooms and stuff, and, like, licorice on, like, trees and things. Chris? Yes, pure imagination. Yes. Which was used in a Sky advert because it was pretty awesome. Yeah, um, although there is the one winner for the Candyman guy starts singing about Candyman. Yes. And he says, like, uh, No! He says, he gives, like, the kids the chocolate. And then I have to be careful on what way I say this here. Yes, I know. He says, like, Yeah, you can grow up and be a good Wonkor. I said, Wonkor, not the other word. Yeah. So whenever I I was watching it the other day, I was like, my lord, I never picked up on that. But again, that could be picked up as complete and utterly dodgy in nowadays terms. Yeah. All this, you know, thing is, is that if you want a ticket sweets. to go, if you want a ticket to go to a chocolate factory, the mount, like obviously at the start, you see whenever they enter, the, you see the big contract that they have to sign. That would be pages upon pages of health and safety stuff like. You're not allowed to walk without shoes on. And you, must, Every, and you must wear a hairnet. And you, you must wear a hairnet, you know, for sanitary reasons. You must wear gla- uh, glasses in case something gets into your eye. You must wear this, you must wear that. Be like, covers for your shoes. I would just be like, you know what, I can't be bothered going. So would you walk it? <laughs> and the thing is, if that was the sort of terms of the contract back then, what the hell would it be like now? No, that's what that's, I mean, now. Yeah. Now it would, be that, it would just be an absolute minefield of health and safety guff. Just like... You're more than likely going to die or be dismembered or get set on fire or get turned into a marshmallow or something like that. Or lose an eye or lose an ear or lose an ear and an eye. Just leave some stuff for later, Augustus. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send it back in a doggy bag to Germany. But yeah, I definitely think... Augustus Gloop! Pure Imagination is the one that stands out for me because, again, it's the one that is always associated with the movie because obviously Gene Wilder does such an amazing job with it mm-hmm. um, and I think it was only in the last year or so when Sky were using it again to publicise their movies and all that it really kind of sunk back into me how amazing a song it is Yeah, because the Sky were advertising Sky movies but they weren't showing any movies they were just like showing like shots of over cities and all that sort of stuff and it was just him singing Pure Imagination mm-hmm. and it was just like one of those sort of weird moments and you're just like that is pretty darn cool yes yes have it here we go everybody of course we have had the remake it was a good 30 plus years down the line who did we prefer Wilder or Depp Gene Wilder I think it's an easy enough question really Wilder is far 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 better as a Willy Wonka than Johnny Depp do not get me wrong, Johnny Depp is a fantastic actor, but you do not, and again, you do not get someone like Tim Burton to do a Willy Wonka movie. 
that is designed for kids. I know there's a the whole idea of Roald Dahl and some of his st- contents a bit dark, which is where Tim Burton would kind of latch on because that's his yeah. forte. And I'm not saying condemn Tim Burton because, of course, he's done the fantastic original Batmans. Mm-hmm. He's done the Corpse by Bride and um, Beetlejuice. Exactly. Which is not a family film. Exactly. So that's all up his sort of street. It's that sort of wacky, crazy horror stuff. Willy Wonka isn't a crazy, crazy horror sort of really, 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 really dark. Obviously, in the original, we had the boat ride and that sort of thing. But that was kind of about it. Yeah. In terms of scariness. Because, like in all, of, like in all of these films that we'll touch on, there will be an element of. You know, like, the heroes or whatever will have a dark moment, you know, like mm-hmm. in The Lion King, obviously, Simba, um, you know, like in the Stampede of Hood and Buffalo, or <laughs> whatever they are, um, and Monsters, Inc., obviously, whenever Randall catches Boo, etc. And in this, when Charlie's caught for, you know, drinking... The fizzy, the fizzy lifting, lift, fizzy yeah. lifting drink. You lose! Good day, sir! You get nothing! That's awesome. Like Strike that. Reverse it. Yeah. That's why I did it. So that's the sort of thing you get with all these, but to latch on to what I was saying about the boat ride, in the original Willy Wonka you had you know, the crazy wackiness of what is a Roald Dahl book, because you can see it also in the illustrations that most Roald Dahl books have. It's that crazy kind of nearly look like they've been drawn by like a youngster, Yeah. but they're really in the style of Roald Dahl. But then you go from the boat ride of the original to the remake, and the scariness is just them going down a big kind of rapid river of chocolate. There's no real, there's no real connection to the original. No. Yes, there's the whole let's stop at the door, but it isn't anything like stop and they're immediately stopped. It's they slow down and they arrive at a door. Mm. It just. It, I remember going to see this, having my hopes up, and I really shouldn't have, to be honest, but yeah, it was I watched, a major letdown. I heard it out um, from, our, from our local video shop, and uh, my dad and I sat down to watch it, and we got to the end, and I was just like, we both said, that's not a patch in the original whatsoever. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. Not even a good actor like Johnny Depp could do that, because he's been instructed to act that character in a certain style. Mm. And even if you're the best actor in the world, if you're instructed to play a character like that, yeah. it's not going to save a movie at all. No. So it's got two major thumbs down here, everybody. Um, next year sees the films... Four. Sorry, not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What's a bad egg? Haha. <laughs> next year sees the film's 40th anniversary. That's quite scary. Um, how would we like to see it celebrated? Well, I think, number one, a... No doubt, think there is going to be a crazy over-the-top Blu-ray edition or remastering. Yeah, that's 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 a given. But I would like to see them do something really, really special for it in the sense of they maybe in the style of I don't know how possible it would be. Um, the way we've seen when Justin Lee Collins used to do the whole Bring Back series, the way he had Bring Back Star Trek and all that sort of thing. If they were to have them all, like for maybe a round table or something like that, as many people that would be willing to do it who wish to yeah. still connect it with it, no doubt they'll probably try and get interviews with people for it. But 
whether they could pull something off like that, I think that would be cool. But I think the way you see with much with games now, special editions and the way you get maybe like a figurine or some other random thing. Maybe if you were to get like a replica golden ticket yeah. or something like that with it, you know, perfect as you see in the movie. I think that sort of thing would be cool. Is there anything you would like to see? I would like to see them commemorative by bringing out like the one that you see Charlie open, which he has the, cho- the golden ticket in. Mm-hmm. They were to bring out that style of bar with the, what, that Wonka wrapping yeah. around it. Because I remember it is again, and I'm remembering this from my time in New York there. Um, the Toys R Us in Times Square, in fact, has a Willy Wonka section, mm-hmm. but it's based on the new movie, so it is, so it wasn't that amazing. But there is Willy Wonka chocolate bars, but they were again, there was a hint of the original movie style in them. Yeah. But it, I see what you're saying. It would be awesome to have just because this is also to do with style. that, that, or maybe even with the special edition Blu-ray. You got the book with it, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, or the, or the casing was like that the original chocolate uh, bar. Or something. Yeah, like the chocolate bar, and you open it up, and you have the. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's the, thing, that. the golden ticket. Obviously, they can't do stuff like um, with that um, notepad to your left. They can't make it smell like chocolate. Yes, so why don't you have the Blu-ray a case smell like chocolate? Smells like, like chocolate. chocolate. It smells like. Mm. They did that, you know, and then probably like your kids would then try and eat the Blu-ray case, but like, Daddy, my teeth. And there's then have to put a warning. Oh, to set the room for later, darling. <laughs> and they then have to put a warning in the box. Sorry, this is not edible. Yeah, not real chocolate. Just smells like it. Anyway, I think that's Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Uh, pretty much yes. So it's time to move. So, obviously we had, you know, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Um, kind of, uh, not really Wonka, but more Waka. Yeah. That, you know, like Waka Waka is Fozzie Bear. Yes. Thank you very <laughs> I like much. driving in my car. Is that right, Hasselhoff? No, that's jump my car. I'm jumping in the car. We're going to the Muppet movie time now. Oh, great. I can't wait. Let's go. Bye. <laughs> Hey, this is Chris Jericho and Bob. You're listening to Operation Retroshock with Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK, Maxine Sports. Here we go! Jim Henson Home Entertainment presents Muppet Movie Scene 1A, Take 1. It's the masterpiece that started it all. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. Come along with those lovable Muppets. My name is Kermit the Frog, and I'm on my way to Hollywood. Moving right along. As they head off to Tinseltown. I want you to turn left if you come to a fork in the road. Featuring an all-star, all-rockin' cast. Kermit the Frog. I uh, hope you appreciate that I'm doing all my own stunts. Waka, waka, waka. Fozzie Bear. We'll be a team. The Great Gonzo. Whoopee! And everybody's favorite ham, Miss Piggy. Oh, I am an actress model. I hear this movie is dynamite. Jim Henson's The Muppet Movie. Hey guys, Pixel Dan here. So, do you like video games? <laughs> Me too. How about toys? Yep, you guessed it, so do I. So how about video game toys? 
Well, then why not check out the series that started it all, From Pixels to Plastic. In every episode, I take a look at a series of action figures, a board game, or cool collectibles that came right from our favorite video games. From Pixels to Plastic can be found exclusively at RetroWareTV.com or on PopCultureNetwork.com. So check it out. Hope to see you there. Welcome back, it's time to face the music and all that kind of stuff. Um, because that's opening line of like the Muppets. It's time to face the music. Yeah. Can I go play drums now? <laughs> no, you can't. Say something for later. I <laughs> uh, just got an email there now from uh, Michael Acey saying, Hey guys, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. I hope everything sounded alright. I am still trying to iron out Skype. It was a blast. Signed, lots of love, Mike. It uh, doesn't actually say lots of love, but um, it's just from Mike. So. It all sounded good on our end, so don't panic. Yes, thanks, Mike. So, Muppet movie, Chris. Yay, Muppets. Chris loved the Muppets. I love the Muppets. Love the Muppet movie. I love the Muppet Takes Manhattan. I do not, however, love the great Muppet Kipper. I love Muppets from Space. and Christmas Carol. Yes, Christmas Carol. And the Muppets, the Pirate One, Treasure Island. It's awesome. Because it has Billy Connolly in it. For like five minutes, and then he go, and he die, and he always make the joke about why every movie I'm in, I die. It's like the ultimate insult. He, he said he something about he was like the first person to ever die in a Muppet movie. <gasps> and I think probably still the only person to this day. Maybe he should have voiced uh, Mufasa in Lion King. We shall get there later. Okay, Simba, come on away, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Right. This was the first time we saw the Muppets on the big screen, as well as the feats. <laughs> the budget for this film, even in 1979, my goodness. I was born. <laughs> was $15 million, but grossed $50 million more. That's what made the film so magical? I just like, I've always liked with movies and TV shows seeing the origin of certain characters mm-hmm. so like in Master Universe you get to see like the origin of Roboto and the new one you got to see like the origin of like how too bad Kim Bart and uh, Bite and Cyclone and all that kind of stuff so to see how the characters all met each other and how they all came to be you know the group known as the Muppets mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and um I just really like that and seeing so many people like uh, Weird Al Yankovic I think's in it and Steve Martin and Dom DeLuise who's awesome in it um, and some other people who we'll touch on later on um, but I think it was just 
around that time you couldn't have got any a bigger TV show than oh, yeah. The Muppets. I know what you mean. You know, The Muppets was the Simpsons of that generation. Oh, yeah. Everyone wanted to be on that show. You know, like you had Elton John on it. Hey, this is Lola. What are you coming? I do You had, like, uh, Mark Hamill on it, who mm. was um, portraying both Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. Um, the list just goes on and it is, on. It is and just on. a child's dream of a show, like. Yeah. So yeah. it's just the sort of thing. But not whenever you have like Peter Yusinov off and you go like, who's he? <laughs> like, I do not know who this man is. And then Augustus would all go, there's a roof later. Oh, I want the Swedish chef. <laughs> oh, hurly girly. Put the turkey in the oven. Lovely oven. But I have to say, like for 1979, to get that amount of money for, you know, what's effectively a puppets movie. Yeah. It's pretty outstanding, mm-hmm. so it is, because we still have to think of it in terms of $50 million, you know, profit for a movie. Nowadays is nothing. Um, obviously, yes. I think sometimes you're lucky if you make a profit yeah, on film. Um, obviously, you've got inflation and all that would aspect in, and we haven't worked that sort of thing out, because that would just be really going too far. But much like we mentioned couple of episodes ago with the Pokemon movie, it ended up, I think it was something like, what was it? It was like 30 million and made 100 million or something like that. So, if a movie doubles what it originally cost in profit, yeah. it's considered a success. Yeah. So, if you see here, right, it cost 15 million, it made 50 million profit, that's over three times yeah. what it originally cost, so that would be a very, very good success, mm-hmm. which is obviously the main reason why it spawned so many more. Yeah. So, Indeed, a fantastically good start for them on the big screen. What did you think about seeing their feet and all for the first time? It's kind of weird um, because you're not you're not used to it. Um, it it's kind of like um, if you're to watch like a documentary to do with the Muppets and you see the people um, operating them. Mm-hmm. It kind of doesn't look right. It kind of like spoils the magic from mm-hmm. it. I'm not saying that seeing their feet spoils the magic from it, mm-hmm. but. It's just weird whenever you see like Kermit or Miss Piggy on a bike and that kind of thing. Aye. It's just weird. It's completely unexpected. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of. It's like seeing a cartoon character in a three D world mm-hmm. or something like that. Like Roger Rabbit sort of a thing, as in you know he's in the real world. Yeah. Because you kind of got to see a glimpse of that again with the new movie, seeing their feet and all that sort of stuff. But that is for the future. Um. This is, of course, our introduction to the Muppets and how they all met up, but this is the most important question of the podcast, really. Yes, it is. Who is your favourite Muppet? Alan Price! Ah, <laughs> oh, he did that just... He's, he's obviously thought about this for about two weeks, everybody, and thought, what way can I have a joke at Alan's expense? I know I shall put in this question. Here, I could have said, who's your least favourite Muppet? And I would have been, Alan Price! <laughs> well, Christopher, what really is your favourite Muppet? <laughs> I don't know. There's like, too it, many to choose. I know. I really like Gonzo, due to the fact that he's such an underachiever. I'm a big Gonzo fan. I really am. Because my dad bought me a t-shirt that has Gonzo on it that says you Muppet on it. <laughs> and then lately I, like, I bought that grey t-shirt that has the Muppets on it. Um, a lot of people go for Animal. Um, I would either go for Gonzo mm-hmm. or... Rizzo's pretty cool as well. 
No, I like Pepe. Pepe? Yeah, I'm a King Piran, okay? <laughs> he is cool. He yeah. is cool. I would probably say those two would be my favourite. I have a kind of a soft spot for um, Fozzie as well. Yeah, because he is also voiced by... Frank Oz. Who was? Yoda. So it's like, whoa. And this is the thing. Go and listen to Fozzie and go and listen to Yoda, and it is actually scarily quite similar mm. in the voice. Yeah, but Miss Piggy and Yoda don't sound anything alike. Well, yes. That's a kind of... I think that's kind of a given. So, Gonzo, Pepe... Yeah. I'm Gonzo. And Fozzie. <laughs> I wonder, is that why Chris Jericho called the band Fozzie? We should have asked him that all those times ago. <laughs> Do you like Fuzzy Bear? Is that why you called that Fuzzy? Yes. Or was it, or was it meant to be Fuzzy? Because uh, of your hair, but you spelled it wrong. <laughs> we see Let's phone him and ask him. It's Jericho, hello! We have him on speed dial, let's go. Sorry to disturb you. <laughs> uh, we see cameos from different actors such as Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, Dom DeLuise, and Bob Hope in this film. But is the best cameo from Big Bird saying... I want to break into public television, hinting towards Sesame Street. Chris? I like Dom DeLuise at the start, whenever he goes, uh, he asks Kermit something, and Kermit says, yeah, it's right on down there, past the alligators. Go, alligators! <laughs> he says, like, and then he goes, like, yeah, you'd be perfect for Hollywood, and shows him a, an advert that says, uh, frogs are wanted for Hollywood. Hollywood. Um... But yeah, big, big, it's pretty cool seeing Big Bird. And then there's also the big, the big guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's in the car dealership. Right. And then he goes like, "We're going to Hollywood. If you want to come." And then he runs off. And then he runs like they go away. And then he's running after them. I can't remember his name. Um, but um, yeah, seeing Big Bird and it's pretty cool. It is kind of weird seeing Big Bird in it, like because it's cool that it. You know, it's a hint towards Sesame Street. And obviously Kermit appears later on in Sesame Street. Mm -hmm, Because you wouldn't see that nowadays, really, with the likes of EastEnders or Carnation Street. I know it's a completely different (laughs) topic area and style of thing. The only time that there's ever been the likes of an EastEnders Carnation Street crossover was for, like, comic relief. Yeah. So for for actually something like this to happen in a mainstream movie... Is pretty big deal. Yeah. So it is. So yes, it is pretty darn cool. Um, but to like to have the likes of Steve Martin and Richard Pryor and like you, like we mentioned Deloise and all on this mm-hmm. is pretty cool because these guys were pretty huge back at this stage because like well Steve Martin's been huge for like years but that's another thing. Um, but I think that's one of the factors that really adds to Muppet movies. What is the cameo? Is the cameos? You know, yeah. obviously we love the characters and all that sort of stuff, but to see someone you wouldn't necessarily expect to be involved there and interacting with mm-hmm. these characters is pretty cool. Yeah, because obviously, uh, or maybe I'm thinking, Hogan appears in Muppets from Space, doesn't he? He does, yes. Yeah, I'm thinking of Goldberg appears in a Looney Tunes film. Goldberg appears in, does he appear in Space Jam? No, he appears in Looney Tunes with Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman or whatever. That's right. Called. It's you have Michael Jordan and then um, can't remember the actor's name, but uh, the guy who plays Dennis and Idri from Jurassic Park's in there, and you also have Bill Murray in Space Jam as well. So oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You have that as well. So you have 
But they brought out a song called Space Jam. Space Jam. I loved that movie when I was a kid. That'll be one for the future. <laughs> Again, like Willy Wonka, this has some memorable music numbers, but it is moving right along, which Fozzie and Kermit sing the best of the bunch. Yeah, because as soon as I watched it, that was stuck in my head. Yeah. In case you can't remember it. Hold on. Oh, here comes Chris. He's got it all prepped. Right. Here he goes. Hold on. Obviously, this will be in the background music and stuff, because uh, um, I decided to go and get the mu- music. You got to get the music. Da, 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 da. I suppose it's easier if I hit artist and then see if it comes... Oh, yeah, it comes under the Muppets. Perfect. So, there's Rainbow Connection as well, and um, can you picture that? But this is the one I'm talking about. So you kind of get that, and then Rainbow Connection is that one. That's the one you see Kermit singing, and it's just him sitting on a log with his banjo. But that's quite a nice song as well. I like to but play I the banjo. That's, I think that's uh, something to do with the Muppets, is just, you know, they are quite musical creatures. Yeah, because that is the weird thing, is they can have so... You know, such different types of songs in their movies as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously you have there, the one with him and Fozzie's very, you know, cheerful and yeah. sort of stuff. Whereas in Christmas Carol, you had, obviously there was the whole thing of Kermit and Miss Piggy have a family. Yeah. And obviously there's the whole Tiny Tim thing. And sorry to spoilerific here, people, but at one point Tiny Tim dies. Mm-hmm. So there's melancholy singing and stuff as well. So there is. Um, and the thing is... Who's melancholy? <laughs> melancholy is not a character, Christopher. <laughs> what did she think? But you get my point in the fact yeah. of... Even though it's these characters who you know are puppets, mm. you don't say, oh, well, that doesn't really matter, that song, because it's not someone really singing and that sort of a thing. It's good. We never knew this, supposedly, Christopher. You say this. You say this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes? What did yeah. you... You never knew this? I never knew this, but the film received Academy Award nominations for Best Song, Rainbow Connection, which is the one of Kermit on his uh, banjo, and Best Original Score Soundtrack. Um, apparently, as well, from what I read, Jim Henson didn't actually hear the music tracks until the person performing them was in the booth to actually record them. Mm-hmm. So, was this a great decision, and did it show great faith that Jim Henson had in the music crew? Didn't have show some faith, because, again, nowadays, that sort of thing would never, ever happen. They would ne- never leave that sort of thing to chance. Mm-hmm. They know there's a lot of money at stake, so they would just go, this is what has to happen. Because, like, Transformers movie, the Transformers 3, obviously kind of Linkin Park are their band for the movies, so they've obviously been signed up for each of these movies to say, we want one of your songs, and they'll have been planned months in advance, Yeah. so well, whereas, leaving it down to this point of Jim Henson only hears them when they're actually there to record, what happens if he was to turn around and say, no, I don't like that? There, there goes one of your tracks for your soundtrack mm. 
and it could be something. Well, unless unless they had stuff, you know, like Jim Henson's given them a premise of, <coughs> right, we're basically going to have two characters who's singing about, you know, they're, they're moving along, or there's a character who's singing about, you know, this or that. So whether he, the the musician maybe has like 20, 30 tracks and 10 of them are going to get used, so he'll go, what do you guess? Well, I like that one, right, play what else you have. Yeah, okay, we'll go for number one, six, twelve. 15, 18, 24, whatever. Yeah. But it is, it's a lot of faith that he had. And But Henson is the sort of person I would always see as that sort of a person that would be kind enough to just give everybody their space and have faith in them. Because obviously this is a pretty big deal. It's the Muppets at this stage. So for them to get their space to just refine it and then him just show up on the day... It's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Next, uh, in 2009, it was named to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically... You did that to try and trip me up, you bugger, you. (gasps) Uh, Please, please. Oh, bugger. (laughs) Significant. And will be preserved for all time, much like Back to the Future. Um, would the late great Jim Henson be proud of his family of misfits called the Muppets? I think he would have to be, as if you weren't going to ex- expect that kind of thing to happen to one of mm. your films. Is that a, it's going to be preserved, kind of for all time? Yeah, because it's kind of what they were saying there recently with Bruce Forsyth. He never. He never took getting a knighthood that would it would ever happen, or he took it for granted that he would get one. He explained that you just work away and do the best job you can. So Henson would have been exactly the same. He'd have been just like, I'm putting this effort into this movie to make it a great, memorable movie for kids, yeah. and that sort of thing. Never thinking that maybe you know, 30 plus odd years down the line that this movie would in fact be held with such you know, fond memories to be actually put in by the National Film Registry to be looked after for just the rest of what you could see as eternity or however long this darn planet lasts. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be kind of similar of um, putting something in a, a time capsule and then yeah. just leaving it there That's for future generations, you just... know, but um, I'm sure you'd be proud of the fact that not just him, but all the people who worked on the film, mm-hmm. you know, like have made something that's lasted since when was it, 1979? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's lasted, you know, like over 30 odd years, so it just goes to show that would it be many films from today's era that would have that done to them? Yeah, that is that is the sort of thing, isn't You know, we'll probably have to wait another 20 or 30 years to find out just how movies of nowadays are... Whenever we're oh. on episode 179! Hello! Million. Hello, Roger M. <laughs> Hello, Ashley. Thank you for texting me. Hi, Ashley. I don't know who you are, but I'm She was the person who I said was listening to the show. And Thanks, Ashley, for saying we were slick. <laughs> well, it sounded like slick. Maybe it was slick and maybe not something else. Okay, whatever. Um, what rhymes with slick? Rick. Like Slick, Rick, Rick. Like Rick Flair. Slick Rick um, has a... Whoa, 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 whoa. We're going <laughs> off track. Um, I'll give you an example. You would not say... You would not see now. Yes, 
Avatar is the biggest grossing movie of all time, but in no way, shape, or form in 30 years would I consider that movie worthy of going into this sort of, you know, into the National Film Registry to be held for all time. Mm. No, there, no way. No, no way in hell. Um, it, it's kind of weird that you kind of, when you th- really think about this whole, the Library of Congress thing, you kind of think, it makes me look back at the episode of Doctor Who with Agatha Christie and David Tennant's Doctor shows Donna the book book, of Agatha Christie that is supposedly inspired by the whole goings on of what happened there Mm -hmm. but he shows the date and the edition of it and it's centuries and centuries and centuries in the future and I'm kind of thinking like this is what is destined for this movie by being in the Library of Congress no matter what happens that movie's going to be there just like of Back to the Future and all the other, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and all those sort of movies that are held in the Library of Congress. It's too many to name, but it's a case of just kind of, if you think in 300 years when we're long gone, the move, that movie's still going to be safe. Unless the whole earth gets blown up, that's another story, though. Um, you made it depress us all. Yay! Go me! Um, you get where I'm going, though. Yeah. Moving right along. Moving right along. The Muppets also had a ton of merchandise. As a kid, did we have any? Yeah, I had a Kermit the Frog teddy that um, his hands would actually stick together and stuff. Well, stuck together. Yeah, I had that. Um, I think I had some other like toys and stuff. Um, I don't. Re- obviously, I have like a couple of the DVDs mm-hmm. uh, now. But and I've got a couple of the t-shirts, but I don't remember being like overly in to the Muppets. Yeah. And you know it's 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 hard now, obviously, because Disney have bought them over very much, like say Nickelodeon have bought over the Turtles. Now we have a Disney store near us, but it's, whenever you go in there, you expect to see like a wall of Muppets or whatever. You would expect but, it, yeah. But you don't see anything to do with the Muppets. Well, again, to hark back to New, to New York, to New York, Toys R Us. No, had a wall. the reason. I mention it is simply the fact of Times Square you're going to get some of the biggest shops of their type in the entire world one of the biggest Toys R Us one of the biggest Disney stores and I went around that entire Disney store and did not see a single Muppet so that just gives you their example of how are you talking about the Americans weren't Muppets or there was (laughs) he's trying to breed contempt oh waka waka (laughs) no I'm talking about plushes and stuff like that. There was no sign of anything. There was Nemo, there was Cars, there was Mickey, there was Minnie, there was Donald, there was Goofy, there was Pluto. There was anything really you would normally want from Disney, but no Muppets. It's disappointing. It kind of slightly is, really, when you think about it. Yep. Um, I never had a huge amount of Muppets merchandise. I think, like you, I did have something to do with Kermit at some stage um, but it's probably gathering dust in a box or something in the attic oh, poor, poor Kermit poor Kermit, he's just gathering dust uh, with the release of this film it gave Henson the chance to then release other Muppet films but is this the best from the ever growing Muppet movie list yes it is you think so? yep I think so. I think, as I said earlier on, you know, like this 
the Muppets Take Manhattan, Muppets from Space are all good um, <laughs> are all good um, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Muppet Caper. I think it's a great Muppet Caper one I don't like. Uh, you know, like uh, you're, I, you're forgetting one very important Muppet movie. Oh, Christmas Carol. No, Muppets from Space. No. What? Do you remember one that came out? Oh, what was it? I think it was maybe. Like, 2004, 2005, maybe a wee bit earlier. Um, the one to do with when Kermit was a child. Uh, Kermit Swamp Ears? Yeah, that wasn't good. Oh, I also remember having the merchandise of Robin Kermit's um, nephew singing Halfway Up the Stairs on a record, a vinyl record. Oh my lord. Halfway Up the Stairs isn't here or isn't there. Something like that, I think. Um my lord that just suddenly popped into my head um, I'm going to have to find that music and put it in here somewhere um, but yeah I would say that the first Muppet movie is the best I'm not saying that there's a bad Muppet oh, movie uh, yeah. but that one that I said I think it's Great Muppet Caper <clears throat> is the one I don't like yeah um, for me this is a really really good movie but it's not my favourite Muppet movie simply because again it was not the first Muppet movie or Muppet experience I had as a kid. My first experience of a Muppet movie was the likes of Christmas Carol, of you know Billy Connolly, and you know Treasure Michael Island, and that sort of stuff, and Michael Caine. So those are more yeah. my favourite. But it's again, this is always going to have a fond place in people's hearts because it's kind of what you would consider a pure Muppet movie. There's no kind of ties to anything or kind of just let's take a story and make it with Muppets mm. sort of thing but yeah it is a very good one <sighs> you're so distracting it's unbelievable <laughs> it, says, it says you Mr. I shall not tell you everybody what he just did um, after the end title appears Sweden's Tears that's the, that's the guy yeah. he runs off yeah. Sweden's Tears through the screen finally having caught up with the others to the amusement of the audience who then talk amongst each other as the credits roll. After the credits finish rolling Animal tells the viewers to go home then he says goodbye and passes out. Is this something we love and cherish from the Muppets? Just a sheer randomness and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just a sheer randomness which you can only really expect with the likes of the Muppets which is why it will always go down <laughs> as I nearly kill myself. Uh, with a clipboard uh, yeah that yeah um, did you ever watch the Muppet Babies no I've seen the music I've seen the intro and music and all that sort of yeah I, I'll I got it I got it it's okay no you all don't right, need so them because I'm asking but you've got your own I know but I need clipboards for preparing give me back no nope. go to break Chris <laughs> give it back do 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 Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass and you're listening to Operation Retroshock with Alan Price and Chris Vince, only on the Pop Culture Network. Connected in the great circle of life. 
Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30-second full-length animated motion picture, The Lion King. He was born to rule. This will all be mine? Everything the light touches. Wow. But a shadow lies over the kingdom. I will be king. Run away and never return. Hey, what's eating you? I don't want to talk about it. He looks blue. I'd say brownish gold. No, no, no. I mean, he's depressed. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. He grew up hoping to leave his old life behind. I know who you are. You're Mufasa's boy. You're the king. King? Have you got your lion's claws? You know my father? Correction. I know your father. He died a long time ago. Nope. Wrong again! <laughs> He's alive! And I'll show him to you! Father? You are my son. And the one true king. You see, he lives in you. You must take your place in the circle of life. Simba! It's a legendary tale filled with excitement. <laughs> plus dozens of wonderful new characters. Why do I always have to save you? Ah! And featuring original music and songs by Grammy winner Elton John and Academy Award winner Tim Rice. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents an entertainment event you'll never forget. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Kuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. Hello everyone and welcome back from the break. Sometimes we go to a little known restaurant called Burger King. And sometimes we see a more spectacular king, which is the Lion King. This is one of Alan's picks, which I cannot disagree with because it is fantastic films. I just <laughs> noticed that the bullets are over here instead of being over to the left. Oh no, the bullets. I know. So anyway... Cracking on with the first question. <clears throat> this was Disney's most successful animation film until the release of Finding Nemo, but remains their top hand-drawn animation to this day. Is hand-drawn animation something we miss, Alan? I would say so. Um, it's a case of with Disney. Obviously, that was the way they made their name, was animation. Animation now is pretty much old hat. 
because Pixar is pretty much Disney's animation branch. Mm-hmm. So that effectively means CGI. Computer graphics in it. Yep. Um, only in recent years, the last couple of years, have Disney kind of went back to animation, but it's not true animation in the sense of it because it's all done on computers still. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much like they do The Simpsons nowadays, paint by dots. Um, animation, I feel, has a lot more heart to it and spirit to it. You kind of there's a different feel to it. CGI and the like is so crisp. It's good, but there's just something that isn't there. Um, so would you have said like something like Toy Story or in fact Monster Inc? Not that they don't have character, but would have had more character if it was hand-drawn animation more than computer graphics? With Toy Story, it's hard to say because obviously it was the pioneer for CGI. Mm. Um, both of them still would have made, I think, fantastic animation movies. There's no doubt there. Um, it's just hard to look at them anything else but CGI because they were in CGI. Um, if we go the opposite way, there's no way I could have ever seen The Lion King in CGI. Oh yeah, totally. The Lion King is a perfect animation movie. Mm-hmm. It just would never have been as good with CGI. Whereas, yeah, Toy Story I could have maybe seen in CGI. But each to their own. But for me, animation is always a good thing. And it's one of those things I kind of don't want to see fade away. So, yes... Kind of way we mentioned with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we have the option to show kids down the line the old movies, but I would still like it to be out there and maybe available in cinemas eventually in years to come. So maybe instead of doing like a 2D, 3D version of a film, do you like a CGI and a hand drawn version of a film? Maybe, maybe. It takes um, so long to do like. 3D is wavering, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, it's really starting to die a death. Sorry, just, just read. I forgot I wrote this. Read what I don't read it out loud, but read what I wrote after e, EJ. No, um, but 3D is wavering at the minute because I was reading an article there the other day, and um, it had specific points about how much the recent parts of the Caribbean movie has grossed, mm-hmm. um, both in 3D and 2D. Uh, it only made, of its total gross so far, 43% of that gross is 3D performance. The other 57% is 2D. In comparison to with Avatar, it had 3D and 2D release. 97% of its total gross was 3D. But then that's Avatar was kind of the big kind of... The first big kind of film to come out in 3D. But that's what I'm trying to say is we've gone from about two years ago, mm-hmm. everybody like 3D, 3D, 3D. Yeah. It's continued, everybody's kind of latched on to it in the movie business. But I think it's not only is it to do with some movies it just doesn't suit, but with the whole financial issues really going on in the world at the minute, people are going to make the choice of, am I that bothered to go see this movie in 3D? Um, can I just go see it in 2D and save myself a couple of pounds or a couple of dollars and I would rather see a film in 2D than 3D but due to the fact that A 
I don't like 3D. I don't think I could. Even whenever I have a 3DS, I turn the 3D slider off. <laughs> um, sitting there for like two and a half hours, maybe coming out with either sore heads, your eyes are killing you, and having to wear those stupid glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather watch a film in 2D than 3D. Um, if the film was like a short five, ten minutes, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I think if a movie is to be in 3D, it should only be if it will truly advance advance that movie in your experience maybe the likes of the upcoming Transformers movie that works because CGI whereas Pirates of the Caribbean it's all real life stuff mm-hmm. so apart, apart from a few swords being pointed at the screen and all it's yeah. not really going to do that much okay the next question uh, the budget for this film was 45 million so as we go on in years the budgets for films obviously get bigger yes uh, it made 783 million. Well, could we even could even the bigwigs at Disney foresee such a massive number for this film? Could I don't. You see them sitting down, going, "How much do you think it's going to make? How much was the budget? Forty-five, maybe seventy, hundred tops." I don't think you could say how much it's going to make. You, Steve, there, uh, seven hundred and seventy million. <laughs> right, you fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tax because this even around this time. You know, animation was wavering for Disney. Yeah. So it was. So they were just like, "We'll have this story. Let's put it out there. See what happens." Um, needless to say, forty forty odd million budget for an animation is pretty big. So it is. Um, but the response for this is amazing. It's the sort of response you expect for the likes of a Pixar movie. Now. Is that sort of a money? And for what year was it again? Was it 1994, I think? It's 94 or 95? I'd guess. Chris is just checking here on the box. Or does it say? Yes, no, maybe. Mm-hmm. It is, it's definitely, definitely around that time period anyway. But for that, for that sort of a time, to be making that sort of a money off an animation is quite crazy. Um, yeah, it was 1994. I am correct. Um, Incorrect, man. <laughs> is, it's good. Um, Disney would not have expected that at all. Really not. They just thought, it's an animation movie, it's going to be one of our last. Let's put it out there, see how much we'll make. And like you said, if someone had probably came up with that in the meeting before the movie came out, um, they probably would have got fired. They'd probably be like, you're talking out your rear, so... Uh, this film was successful enough to land an Academy Award for the music. Of course, we all know that Elton John, who loves us all, <laughs> uh, sang Circle of Life. But was this our favourite, our personal favourite? <laughs> or uh, did we prefer, um, like, Akuna Matata, uh, Bitches and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Christopher, you naughty boy. Beat it, bitches. Too late now, Chris. That's all right. Uh, I'd like to apologise if it caused any offence. Uh, the circle of life is <laughs> is a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic song. Um, but I always remember as a kid watching this, Akuna Matata was the be all and end all of. Really? Yeah, it was just I. It's the sort of thing. You know the way back then Disney kind of released VHS of like their best songs from their movies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
you didn't see Circle of Life being released on the DVD. It was Hakuna Matata because that was the thing that the kids always would have latched onto and sang about. Because Timon and Pumbaa were your comic relief. So the kids just liked that sort of thing. But it's not to take away from the Circle of Life because obviously it was the song that won the Academy Award. Mm-hmm. So it just proves you just how of a strong song it is. And it completely sets the scene for the entire opening of the movie. Yeah. So it's the big dramatic opening. I do like the song that Jeremy Irons sings with the hyenas. It is very, very good. Because he is evil. Uh, like the majority of Disney films, there was an all-star cast voicing the characters, ranging from James Earl Jones to Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. <laughs> what voice for you really set the character? Um, did you like, you know, the little fella... Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement doing the voice for Simba. Do you prefer Matthew Broderick doing the older version of Simba? Do you like Ron Atkinson as the bird? I remember when I found out that it was Matthew Broderick did the older voice of Simba, uh, I was completely taken aback by that. I didn't expect it at all. Um, but for me, it has to be Mufasa and Scar are your mm. top two voices here. They just fit so, so well for the two characters. It's unbelievable. Because obviously it's set up completely. Um, Mufasa is the king of the castle, to coin the phrase of Disney. Um, Because many people have the castle. But lions don't live in jungles, they live out in the Sahara. But they certainly don't live in bloody castles! They do, they have a room in the big stone (laughs) rock, so it's effectively their castle, so leave it. Um, (laughs) But he's built up as this powerful, powerful character. And what better an actor can you have to come in with such a deep and rich voice than Jones? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we all know he's done Darth Vader. And that kind of, if you kind of think about Star Wars during watching it, it kind of gets a wee bit weird. Um, but he plays the role so well. To flip over to Irons with Scar, I love the scene near the beginning where Scar is sitting, well, lying there, uh, we'll use the pun um that is awful and there's the little mouse mm-hmm. and he ends up toying with it through his fingers and all, and it's like he's reciting Shakespeare sort of thing to it, you know life's not fair isn't it, and that sort of thing, and he goes to eat it and then that's when, my fa- that, sorry, that's when um Another British comedian arrives in as Zazu, Mr. Bean for everybody. Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. Black Adder! As well. Um, but also the scene where he's sitting there and Simba arrives and is like, I want to play. And he's like, I can't really be bothered. Um, and he's going, that would make me a monkey's uncle. And he's like, you're so <laughs> you're weird. weird. Yeah. Um, and what's it? he's like, I'm your only nephew, and he says, all the more reason for me to be protective. And it's just, you can just see in his, in his performance that he really doesn't care. There's just such sarcasm in the voice, mm-hmm. but it still seems so evil. For me, those are definitely the two that stand out. I like Whoopi Goldberg as one of the hyenas. Because that was originally meant to be Cheech and Chong. Oh, was it? Yes, oh. but that didn't go down well because... <sighs> Hello, is that you, Jeff Hardy? Yeah, they're best friends with him. Um, the Lion King was the first on-screen death of a character when Mufasa 
was killed by the stampede. Mm. How upsetting was this for us and also for the kids of today as well? And the gravity-defying wildebeest that can run vertically down a cliff face. It's good. Cliffable? Cliffable. <laughs> no. CHP. Uh, it is... Um, it was definitely a shock to see that, especially as a kid. Because you're used to all these happy-go-lucky kind of Disney movies. Obviously, they all have their kind of sadness. And it's kind of... Obviously, we know Bambi's mum got killed, but we never see it. Yeah. This is the first actual seeing mm-hmm. of a character getting killed. So I think it resonates with anybody who kind of has seen this movie. Simply thinking, gee, this is a Disney movie. And we've just seen this kid's da just die right in front of us as a complete and backstab by his brother because obviously his brother wants to be king and um, that sort of a thing but you can really as a kid I'm sure I can't really remember a great deal but it would have had a very big impact on kids thinking oh, you know what if that was my dad or something like that and then Probably parents watching it with a kid would have been like, whoa, that's a wee bit rough. Yeah. Because they were like, I thought we were just taking to see a wee movie. And but like- then that kind of happens as well in the Pixar film Up, mm-hmm. where for, you know, like the man... Oh yeah, that's very ride, sad opening, like, sort of. And then uh, she passes on and he is very reluctant, reclusive, an old man, you know, that kind of thing. Um Obviously, I don't remember watching it and being upset because I was like 16 at the time. Yeah, so. like, I'm cool, dude. I'm 16. Like, I'm not gonna. Come. I'm not gonna cry this. Um, like, Daddy, don't look at me. <laughs> although, I mean, I did watch Toy Story 3 the other day, and it was quite upsetting. Yeah, you know, I, like, I must say, Toy Story 3. I find that quite sad when I saw it in the cinema. You know, but I, I, a lot of people said the ending was very sad, but I actually find that whenever they were in the furnace, all holding hands, mm. I thought that was the end, and you know, like I started to get a wee lump in my throat. Like, but I, but I, thought the, I thought the end of it was very nice, you know, but I didn't, like, cry at the end of it because it was just like, oh, well, the fun new owners, blah, 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 that leaves it open for Toy Story 4 if and when they decide to do it. Um, speaking of which, uh, the upcoming Cars movie, which will probably be just getting released in the States as this goes out. Um, we have to wait another month in the UK. Great. Thanks, Pixar and Disney. Cheers. Um, it's the same with Toy Story 3. The... Way Pixar do their wee pre-openings, you know, like five-minute mini movies, <laughs> mm-hmm. is in fact going to be a Toy Story short. Oh, cool! So there you go. Just um, useless information for you. Yeah, but um, obviously, with the majority of the um, Disney films, they do have some sad moments. You know, mm-hmm. like obviously, he said as Bambi's mother, um, Dumbo, whenever he has to leave his mother, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So. They do know how to tug on the emotional heartstrings, yeah. uh, no matter what age you are. Um, some factions in Disney actually preferred working on Pocahontas than The Lion King. Mm-hmm. I believe Pocahontas would be a better success. Um, do you think they enjoyed eating their humble pie? I find it quite funny um, thinking that you know those people thinking that. Pocahontas was going to be the absolute amazing blockbuster, like you know. Pocahontas did pretty well, like, but it's like you say, there was the group of people that were preferring Pocahontas to this because they thought this is going to be the one that'll get them a lot more critical acclaim. Because Pocahontas, when you compare the two, mm-hmm. is a lot more what you would consider 
you could have pictured that movie in live action. So yeah. you could have Pocahontas, whereas Lion King, obviously not possible, but you, <laughs> you get the drift. Although it, you did have the wee um, stage um, play of it. Oh, yes, you had the musical, and it's Broadway and the West End and that sort of thing. Um, but I think it is cool looking back that they had to eat humble pie with it because mm-hmm. it just shows you the sort of Lion King, like we mentioned again earlier, it was kind of there's an animation, go put it out there, make us a wee bit of money, and then we'll make more money out of, you know, out of uh, Pocahontas. Yeah. What? He, Chris is fiddling about the place with pieces of paper. Anyway, what about you, Chris? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think that is a fact of. I don't think if you're working for a company, you can prefer to work on one project more than another. I it's think, a bit unfair. I think it should be a case of, you know. Um, you should work on everything equally, you know. But I'm sure the people who thought, "Here, I work on Lion King, 783 million. Pocahontas probably did a fair amount, but I don't think it would have. I honestly don't think that it would have made even a hundred odd million. That's just me being. Obviously, we had Eddie Murphy doing the voice of the dragon, and later on, he would go to voice Donkey and Shrek. Donkey. For me, that's probably the best way to have Eddie Murphy is. Right. Comparison time. Right Lion King. Down? What was it you said? 40, 40. 45,783,000 it made. Pocahontas. 55 million budget. Mm-hmm. $340,000. That's what it made? Mm-hmm. That's not profit. It would be $310 million after profit. Well, after, you know, your original cost is taken off. You said no, sorry, 000. sorry, sorry. It was three hundred and fifty, three hundred fifty thousand all total revenue. Take your fifty odd million cost off. You're talking about three three hundred and ten million dollars that it made off a profit in comparison to the what seven hundred and thirty odd. Seven hundred eighty three. No, if you take the original cost off. Right. Yeah. So yeah, big big difference. Talking Lanking made more than double. Okay. There you go. Uh, what do we think of the storyline of the film? Plain and simple. You know, like obviously you see um, a young cub um, being very happy with his father and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Then, fortunately, his father dies. Um, he then like goes away and tries to um, make sure that nobody it doesn't happen to anyone else. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and um, resumes his place. You know, as the rightful king of that. The story itself. I think it's very, <coughs> it's very biblical, <coughs> almost. Excuse me. Right. Well, I have a story for you. It is, in fact, a total rip-off of a story because it is effectively Hamlet, Shakespeare's Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Because in Hamlet, there's the whole thing about two brothers. One's the ruler, the other one wants to take over, etc., etc. That is effectively the backbone of this story so the inspiration was got from Hamlet because there's actually a scene within Lion King which hints to Hamlet because you see Scar at one point there's a skull in like the cave and he like puts his hand in the skull and like mouse stuff and all with the skull which happened in Hamlet so that's the hint there but I think it's good that they took the base story of Hamlet put it into this so again, kids are experiencing something 
a lot older that they don't realise they're experiencing. Yeah. Because they're saying, oh, look, it's lions, it's this, it's that. So it's a perfectly good story. But it's, a, it's you know, your perfect Disney movie in the sense of, you know, Scar scares the kid away saying, you did this, you know, and off he goes and then comes back to the triumphant return with, uh, obviously, he meets Nala and she's like, well, you've run away, we thought you were dead, so you're not as good as I thought you were, we were friends, blah, blah, blah. He falls in love and is like, oh, I have to go back and obviously saves the day. Okay. Uh, you're now put on the spot, and in our final question regarding The Lion King, where does it rank in our top five animated Disney movies? You must name your top five Disney movies. So while I was answering questions, you've wrote your top five yeah. and left me on the spot. That's why it says you're now put on the spot. When you're not. Cheers, Chris. Fill with your five, or speak about one in specific. Uh, well, obviously, there's quite a lot of um, ones that haven't made my list, in case Alan forgets about them. Um, you do have the likes of, say, The Little Mermaid, uh, Dumbo. Uh, you can't really class Mary Poppins as one. 101 Dalmatians, um, that, that kind of thing. Obviously, Disney were known for their craft of um, animation. And kind of the kings of the trade. I don't think anyone's ever come close to beating Disney in animation. Maybe uh, Warner Brothers, but they didn't really have a lot mm-hmm. of films out there. were only mainly shorts, you know. Disney had their Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Chip and Dale, you know, all that kind of stuff. Warner Brothers had their Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and that stuff. Yeah. Obviously, Alan touched on earlier on, um, they would appear in Space Jam then, obviously in Looney Tunes, back in action with Brendan Fraser, which is kind of a bit of an, another, like, cartoon meets live-action thing, and Lastly, we touched on Who from Roger Rabbit, which features both Disney and Warner Brothers car- uh, characters. Alan's still scribbling I'm away. nearly there, don't you worry. He's nearly there, so... Um, well, I'm uh, talking to you now, obviously, um, this episode is going up in June. Um, if you uh, require anything, you can always head over to the Pop Culture Network store. Uh, buy things. Uh, obviously, it's Alan's birthday coming up as well. Hello. So, if uh, if you want to buy Alan anything for his birthday um, and break it and then send it to him, um, that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Uh, just email vintoman at googlemail dot com. I'll send you his address, and you can send all your lovely hate mail and stuff to Alan. I don't want any hidden surprises of in the hate mail. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm done. I've probably left stuff out, but. As long as you don't swear, it's only a top five. Okay, number five, Alan. Dumbo. Alice in Wonderland. Number four. One hundred and one Dalmatians. The Lion King. Number three. Tarzan. Lady and the Tramp. (laughs) Number two. Beauty and the Beast. Emperor's New Groove. (sighs) Number one. Aladdin. The Lion King. I forgot about Lady and the Tramp. I but think that's a good mixture, actually. I'm happy enough with mine. Emperor's New Grave is just hilarious. I'm happy with mine, so... Thanks. I'm happy with mine, too. What's your top five Disney animated movies, ladies and gentlemen? Send them in. We'll read them out in the future. Yes, or you can go to Pop Culture Network forums and write in there. Also, as well, while we have you here, upcoming soon will be a gaming special. We want your top 20 retro games of all time. Uh, you can only go from PlayStation 2 backwards. You cannot have any titles on the Wii, Xbox 360, or PlayStation 3. Ooh. 
indeed. Alan's done his, and I've done mine. I actually did mine last night. I've actually done a list before Chris. Yay. I did that before you. So, yeah, uh, but you gave me so, no fair warning. Thank you very much. Tell them what's coming up. Uh, so, join us after the break, wherever we have to laugh a lot to feel like a certain media. We're not screaming because then my parents come on and go, like, What are you screaming for? Who's killing who? And be like, Alan killing me. You like, punch me in the face. Better be careful, I will. And I have a black eye. <clears throat> Is that a P? I'm a black eye. P. Love. Bye. Peace. 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 Guys, where can we find the latest wrestling news, interviews, and all-out awesomeness? There's only one place to go, Andy. That is www.totalwrestlingshow.com. That's right, the UK's number one pro wrestling radio show. We are live every Sunday from 6 p.m., 6 till late, and we are your interactive wrestling revolution. Come and check out the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash TWS Live. They can follow us on Twitter at TWS Mania, or they can call us on 0208 We've also got an exclusive text messaging service just for our fans at Total Wrestling Show on 07876 692 917. We will do everything we can to give you people the show that you want. If you got Skype, you can Skype us in on TWS Live. So don't forget the Total Wrestling Show, the UK's number one pro wrestling talk show, live every Sunday, 6 p.m. on TotalWrestlingShow.com. We look forward to seeing you there. November 2nd, the creators of Toy Story. Hey, what's shaking, baby? Did you lose weight or limb? Take you into the world behind your closet door. Roz, you're looking fabulous today. Is that a new haircut? New makeup. You've had a lift. You've had a tuck. You've had time. We've always been afraid monsters were there. Scary feet, scary feet, scary feet. Look, the kids are Waiting to scare us. Twins and a bunk bed. But what we didn't know is that we scare them. What happened? The kid almost touched me. You can't touch a child. They're toxic. If a kid ever got through one of our doors, the results would be catastrophic. Okay. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Kitty! That thing is a killing machine! A Pixar Animation Studios film. Incorporated. It's a musical. Put that thing back where it came from. Boom, so boom, help boom, me. Boom, so help boom, me. Boom, so help me. And cut. <laughs> Hi, this is Larry County, the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Retroshock. Thunder. 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 Thundercats. Ho! If I were a rich man With a million or two I'd live in a penthouse In a room with a view 
If I were handsome, no way. it could happen. Those dreams do come true. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. Wouldn't have nothing. Can I tell you something? For years I have envied. You agreed with it. Your grace and your charm. Hello folks, welcome back from the break. While we were on the break, we had a breaking, two breaking emails. One is from uh, Mike Lacey, who uh, sent a message to Alan. Alan, if you care to read it, please. Hi, I'm Ron Burgundy. No, you're not. You're Alan Price. Yes, indeed. Uh, Mike has, in fact, sent us in his top five family-friendly movies. Obviously, when we put him on the spot, he only came up with one, because we only asked him for one, and his top one was, in fact... The Goonies. So we're going to find out his other four in his top five. I can hardly wait. I'm sure you can't. I need to wet myself. <laughs> Number five. Five. Is Teen Wolf. Okay. Number four. All. Is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Or, for us here in the UK, the Philosopher's Stone. Number three. Three. Is Gremlins. Or oh, Naughty Naughty, Mr. Mike Lacey. We That's a 15 certificate, not family film. Number two, the never-ending story. The never-ending story. And number one, can you guess? Yes, it's the Goonies. Thunderbirds are go. Very good. And we'd also like to thank uh, Sam Orr, who we work with, to do with uh, awesome drawings, which will be unveiled once it is complete. Sam Orr is an awesome artist and uh, continues to surprise and amaze us with um, stuff that he draws. He's going to be a super fantabulous artist in the future. You must watch for him. And I was the first person ever to ask him to draw something and he went, yes, that's fine. So just watch out, ladies and gentlemen, in about 30 years, this Operation Retroshock Art is going to be worth a absolute fortune. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, we must get him to autograph our phones. <laughs> right, so we're on to the last subject now, uh, Monsters, Inc. Obviously, stay with us once we finish this because we have... Big news! Big news in the world of Operation Retroshock. Ooh. Continue! It's Alan's birthday, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, budgets are a big thing here in this episode. Monsters Inc. Blue Lion King's 45 million budget out of the water with their budget of 115 million. I made 525 million. What do you think the the success of this film was down to was it down to the fact that it's a CGI film was the fact that we had such lovable characters was it the fact that we had Billy Crystal and John Goodman and Boo and Steve Buscemi or was the fact down to that a lot of people saw it and they told their friends and so on and so on is that right Wayne? yeah um I think number one point number one it's cause it's Pixar it's cause it's Pixar Number two. Because it's CGI. Number three. Number three. The cast. Number four. Uh, Five. Calm down, dear. Four. But it's a simple case of people see Pixar, people think this is going to be an amazing movie, so everybody flocks to it. But again, you have to kind of think, at this point, there hadn't been a crazy amount of Pixar movies. Mm. What was this? Was this, this was like 2001 or something like that? Early 2000s? I guess. Um, so you'd only really had the original Toy Story, 
yeah, Toy Story 2 had come out probably, I think, before this one. There was... Cars, probably. No, this was before Cars. Mm. But, Shrek. get my drift, it's still early days. Um, but, it's. I think it was different to what we had seen from Pixar up until this point, which also got people's interest. Okay. Again, with Like the Lion King, we had some big names voice the characters in this film, but whose voice do we enjoy the most? Do we enjoy John Goodman's portrayal of Sully? Uh, Billy Crystal says, Mike Rothowski! Steve Buscemi as Randall? Or uh, Jennifer Tilly as Mike Wazowski's love interest, whose name I can't remember. Celia or something. Or something like that. Um, there's quite a few I like in this movie. Obviously you have Goodman, and you have Crystal, and they're two of, the, two of the huge names in this, and they work so well for their characters, because obviously John Goodman has this kind of big, booming voice, not in the style of with Jones in Lion King, that's a completely different style, but Goodman's voice suits him as a person, so then thus fits Sully, because he's a big blue monster. Um, and it's the same with Crystal. Crystal has the sort of voice that you could suspect being like this small creature. Yeah. And it all fits. And it's this wacky voice, and hence he has one eye, so it all fits again. Um, personally, I really like Randall's voice, because it's just got that really creepiness to it. Yeah. It's, it's again, it suits it because he's kind of... He's a chameleon, he's a reptile, and it sounds very sort of what you would suspect an evil, I know it sounds weird, an evil reptile to sound like. But again, with a Pixar movie, all the voices have been picked so well. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, also the fact that Billy Crystal turned down the roles of Woody in Toy Story. Yes, this was a so big thing whenever, about it. So whenever this came about, he jumped on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really like his portrayal as Mike I couldn't picture, like, say, Tom Hanks as Mike and then Billy Crystal as Woody, no, though. Yeah. You know, I couldn't picture that. But, as you say, I think the only the only time there's been a animated film that I've watched and the the voice doesn't fit the character mm. is Zach Braff as Chicken Little. Mm. I just didn't think that worked at all. I don't think there's any other ones that I've went, oh, that's stupid doing them. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Randy Newman pops up again and does the music for this film where again it was nominated at the Academy Awards for Best Original Score and a Grammy Award for Best Score soundtrack album for motion picture television or other visual media. The score lost both of these awards to Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring but after 16 nominations the song If I Didn't Have You finally won Newman his first Academy Award for Best Original Song. Did we prefer his music in this or Toy Story? And there's going to be a lot of comparisons between this and Toy Story. That's well, Randy Newman, he has this specific sound to him. It's kind of country in his vocals, but the music itself obviously is not, because he's a very big piano player, so that doesn't tie in to country. Um, he has such Yeehaw! he has such creativity. The way you kind of mentioned earlier with Hanson saying, you know, go away, work on the music, and then he comes in on the day and it's like, right, let's go. Let's see what's happening. interesting to see how Hanson and Randy Newman were, would, have worked, would have worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Randy Newman's the sort of guy that Pixar were able to go, right, here's the basic story. See what you can come up with. 
and come back to us. Mm. So he would just go away and figure something out and bring it back. Did it with Toy Story. Did it with do, do, bring it back. <laughs> um, but I just think Randy Newman is an absolutely fantastic artist. You mentioned there about him having missed out in the Academy Award yeah. for so many years and then finally getting it. It happened again after this. He was missing out and missing out. He won it again for Toy Story 3. All right. So he did. So that was his second one again. He always says, I feel like I owe these to Pixar more than I owe them to myself. So he's very you know, he's very loyal to Pixar. Yeah. Um, but he just has a way of things of just putting a fantastic theme into a movie. Because obviously you've got a friend in me with Toy Story. And again, you had a kind of... It was a different style of song for Toy Story 3, but it kept the sort of idea of you've got a friend and me and that. But for him to go and do something as good, and obviously winning him the Oscar, for a movie you kind of wouldn't have suspected it to, is very, very good. Yeah, his, his music is pretty synonymous, very much like, as we were talking about last night, Bill Conti's music is pretty much synonymous with um, the Rocky films. Yes. Um, so it's kind of the same way as here. It's kind of... Or Linkin Park by Transformers. Yeah. Uh, it's very much a case of Randy Newman is very synonymous with Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he's done the music for Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. I don't... Did he do it for Cars as well? He, uh, he did do something in Cars, if I remember right, yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, Boo was voiced by Mary Gibbs, and her voice and laughter were caught by a microphone with her making random noises it wasn't a case of you know like they could get a young kid and go like right laugh and then they go because it would be natural they kind of had to follow her about with a microphone I think that's awesome did this make the character of Boo more lovable like whenever she calls Sully Kitty you know that kind of thing you know like it wouldn't be a case of you know poking her and going here say Kitty Kitty yeah it just wouldn't you know maybe give her a toy of that and then she goes ah kitty or mm-hmm. whatever you know that yeah. kind of thing so um, do you think the voice went well with the character and added that kind of dimension to Boo I think it's amazing the effort that went in to that character alone that they were basically having to, <laughs> having to follow the kid around mm-hmm. and just you know imagine if you missed something, you would have been like, oh, damn, that would have been fantastic for it. Yeah. Um, but the ability to have it sound and so natural, like you say, the kitty line, it's one of those things you're watching the movie and she says it and there's just kind of a smile creeps across your face. Yeah, and it's like, just oh. like, you can tell it's natural. Yeah. You can tell it's not staged. Um, and it's the same with the likes of when she's scared and when she's happy and all that sort of thing. They all feel oh so natural to it. Um, which just, it is like you say, it brings the character to another level of why at the end it becomes a wee bit emotional in the goodbyes yeah. sort of thing. And uh, it's like whenever, whenever Sully hugs it, you know, I have to go now. And then she like looks at him and goes, Kitty! But she says it's sad. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It will be interesting with number two to see. Uh, that. That's one of the questions. I know. Don't worry. I wasn't going. To uh, can Pixar really do no wrong with these types of films? Well, they haven't so far, really. Would you say that Pixar are kind of you know like obviously we were talking earlier on of Disney were the kings of um, 
hand-drawn animation and mm. stuff and could really do no wrong there would you say that Pixar are I know it's like Disney, Pixar you know that kind of thing mm. but do you think that Pixar are like the Disney of this generation you know obviously yeah. back in our day we had the likes of you know Lady and Trump we had Snow White and Seven Dwarfs etc that mm-hmm. we grew up with but would you say that now it's more of a case of the kids like the um, CGI stuff more and that's why Pixar are so popular well kids like the CGI more simply because of the fact that that's what they've been growing up on now mm-hmm. um whether it would make an impact now if they were to have been brought up in animation is another question for another day. Um, but the way you're saying, obviously, is Pixar... What's that? Would you like to discuss that? The first pass never. <laughs> Money joking, we'll do it another time. Um, <laughs> when we do a CGI special or something like that. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think we have many uh, CGI film moments. No, there's that's, tons, Chris. That's, 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 that's a, a wee bit of an understatement. That's, that's um, but the way you're saying it is Pixar the Disney of the day... Um, the way basically it's a case of yes Pixar, or no answer yes or no answer shush yes or no Pixar was bought by Disney he said no but Pixar would only accept the deal if they were in control of all Disney animation so it was kind of a wee, it's an interesting deal you would never see a sort of deal like that normally in the sense of you're buying us but we maintain control of everything it's, it is an odd one. Um, I don't think, and it's weird saying this, Disney would be in such a strong position now if it wasn't for Pixar. Obviously, Disney's bought the Muppets, but the Muppets aren't as much opinion. Muppets They're only just aren't, their comeback this year. Yeah, but Muppets aren't as big a hit as Pixar films have been. Oh, yeah. So, obviously... It'd be interesting to see, you said that Disney have bought Pixar, but, you know, like, Disney have said, hey, we want to stay in control of, you know, that kind of side of things, you know, they're kind no, of... No, I mean, Disney bought Pixar, but Pixar wants to stay in control of their... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it'd be interesting to see that Disney have obviously bought the Muppets. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the Henson crew are still in charge of the Muppets, or if it's a different... Um, I wouldn't be confident with that, actually. I wouldn't... Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they have a very small stake, but it's... Well, then the Muppets would have lost their soul... Oh, gone to the devil. Uh, the animation of the characters in Monsters Inc. is truly remarkable, from Sully's fur to the detail of Mike and his big eye. Were we blown away by the spectacular graphics of this film? Oh yeah, because obviously we've moved on from the original Toy Story, and it was very basic. Uh. Because obviously humans didn't really look like humans in Toy Story. Humans didn't really look like humans until Toy Story 3 in that franchise, but... Um, Obviously, with the likes of Boo, you, Boo. you could get away with it because she's a, basically infant. a wee infant. You know, a, <laughs> a baby. Um, so, obviously, the, the bigger head and all that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember just simply being blown away by the likes of seeing the hair on Sully. Yeah. Being able to see all the individual hairs. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just... You never saw that. You can't do that in animation. No. Obviously... If we think about the likes of the Jungle Book with uh, Blue, mm-hmm. the way to signify hair in a character, what they would do is they'd maybe do like a zigzaggy line, yeah, maybe near his elbow or his hand or something like that, and that would signify this character has fur, but the rest of the body was a solid colour. Whereas here, the amount of computing power that had to go into it just for the hairs and that sort of thing, and it's also the likes of the reflection of Mike's eye 
mm-hmm. all as well. That wouldn't have been possible years ago. No. So it's just all the wee tiny I don't think, things. I don't think the uh, Randall changing, you know, to fit in the all backgrounds and stuff, I don't think that would have been possible either. Um, so the voice actors are set to reprise the roles for the prequel Monsters University, where we learn that Mike and Sully were rivals but became great friends. Uh, will this film have the popularity of the film we are now discussing? I hope so, because... It's had a far bigger weight than any other Pixar sequel. You know, obviously from Toy Story 2 to 3 was a pretty long gap. But this, for me, is... Because it was originally... I think it was originally meant to be coming out this year. And Cars was meant to be next year. But they they wanted to put the extra effort in to Monsters, Inc. To get it right. So it got pushed back to next year. Um... The only thing that worries me about Monsters, Inc. is the fact that it's a prequel. Mm. Everybody, the second you see the ending of Monsters, Inc., you're like, you want to know what's happened to Boo? Yeah. Because you see the fact of Sully opening the door and you hear Kitty, but it doesn't sound exactly the same. It sounds slightly older. Yeah, whether it's her daughter or yeah. something you like that. You want to know, is it her daughter or is it her slightly older? Just, mm-hmm. no, I'm not talking about a teenager or something because obviously she didn't sound like a teenager or anything like that. You want to know this. So by going to a prequel, it's just, you have this slight sense of doubt in your head. You're just like, mm, will it work? But if they can nail the comedy like they did, it should be okay. Okay. Obviously, this is a family movie. Um... Last question. Um, if you were put on the spot with your kids and with Daddy, I want to watch a film, would it be Monsters Inc. or Toy Story? <laughs> you, can, you can't use Monsters Inc. and maybe Toy Story 1, 2, or 3. Right. You do have a selection from the Toy Story library. If I had to pick one movie to be their first Pixar, it would be the original Toy Story. I have no doubts there. But it's a case of Pixar stuff is so good, you know. Any movie, if you were to pick any movie out of Pixar's back catalogue, you know, kids are going to love it. Maybe not A Bug's Life. Mm, a Bug's Life would be maybe a wee bit scary. Yeah. Um, with Hopper and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Cars, young boys like Cars, uh, that works. Uh, obviously, you've got, with Toy Story, you've got, there's Barbie and that sort of thing. The girls will like that. Monsters Inc. kind of is for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, and Incredibles. Incredibles is, again, a perfect family one because, surprise, surprise, it's about a family. Mm-hmm. So, that all Samuel works. Samuel Jackson going like, I freeze. So, it all works. Pixar mm-hmm. is fantastic for that, which is, again, at the end of the day, why they make so much blooming money. Okay. Right, so obviously, folks, um, that was our family frenzy film fanatical. And hopefully it's put you in the mood to gather as a family and watch some fantastic movies. Yeah, so obviously, while you're listening to this, um, this was released on the 26th of June. Um, obviously, you may have missed it on your iTunes feed, but go and have a listen to WrestleShock if you're a fan of the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Passed, passed away, so um, Al and I did our Macho Man Mania Memories. I think it was... Dig it. Right, so we've got to get serious here because this is announcement time. Bring it down. Okay, do you want to do the first one? 
Now, this is to coincide again with Alan's birthday. Last year, you may have remembered that we had a certain gentleman on the uh, show called Larry Kenny, who did the voice for Lion-O mm-hmm. um, of the Thundercats, and also Claudus in the new Thundercats, which I must say looks That's amazing. That's pretty deep. And again, it's like hand-drawn, but it's not, because it's like computer drawn. Paint line numbers. But um, Alan's going to introduce this gentleman... Uh, that's going to come on the show uh, the week after this, which will be uh, 3rd of July. Then I will introduce um, the gentleman who will be on the show on the week after that, which will be the 10th of July. Uh, this is to coincide with something. Uh, obviously, the other one that Alan's going to introduce is to coincide with Alan's birthday. Mm-hmm. Alan can never say that I give him uh, <laughs> very um, unmemorable moments to do with his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Alan, go on away if you want to uh, take it away and say um, who this person is, come on, on the show, and then obviously we'll play the audio clip. Okay, right. Well, as everybody can guess, if you have been listening to Retro Shock from the beginning, and throughout, and recently even. Um, there's one subject that is always pretty fond in my heart when it comes to my childhood. Um, we did an episode about it pretty recently, only about uh, three episodes ago. Um, it was something that many people became addicted to. It was a big part of their childhood. It is, of course... Um, Pocket Monsters Pokemon. So, Chris decided, as a birthday surprise, to send an email out to a certain individual who is, you would consider maybe the unsung hero of the show, but a key part nonetheless. So, this is the man who will be coming on our show to speak to us. Alan, I just want to say happy birthday. I'm Eric Stewart, the voice of Brock and James in Pokemon. Join me next week on Operation Retroshock with Alan and Chris as I talk about Pokemon. Squirtle, Squirtle. Yeah, so that's Eric Stewart who did the voice for both Brock and James from Team Rocket in Pokemon. Um, so that's basically the co- come on um, Fran's um, birthday show. Obviously, we're going to do... Sorry if you're sick of it, but we're not sick of tired of talking it, which is to do with Pokemon. So what we're going to discuss, I'm going to choose that we'll talk about um, the Heart Gold and Soul Silver games. Indeed. And then are we going to discuss either second season anime, or we're going to? I think we're going to discuss that rather than a second movie, because mm-hmm. we'll probably get more questions out of that and stuff. And then we're going to go into interview to do with um, Eric Stewart. Um, obviously, we're going to discuss stuff to do with Pokemon. He did a voice in Yu-Gi-Oh! Not something we're really familiar with, so we're just going to let that ride and just talk about Pokemon. But also, believe it or not, he is in fact a musician, which is something I'm quite interested to hear about. So we are going to ask him some questions about his band, which is in fact called the Eric Stewart Band, believe it or not. Yeah, and that brings us on nicely to the next one. Obviously... Round about the 1st of July in the UK here again. Everything seems to coincide with Alan's birthday uh, lately. So, Holly- yeah. Hollywood just loves me. Well, glad somebody does. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is a film called Transformers Shark of the Moon. Now, you all remember that um, in the early 80s, late 80s, 
Um, we had like Optimus Prime, Megatron, Starscream, Bumblebee in a show called uh, Transformers. And then there was a movie in the late 80s, 1986 I believe it was, Transformers. The movie where we seen like Hot Rod and Ultra Magnus and Cup and that kind of thing. Well there was a couple of tracks there. Um, one mainly called The Touch which was done by a certain gentleman who will also be coming on a show on the 10th of July. And that man is... Go on ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hi, this is Stan Bush. You're listening to Operation Retroshock. I'm here with Chris and Alan, and they've got the touch. Yes, indeed, it is Stan Bush. Yep, so we're going to talk about talk to Stan Bush about, you know, like his time Transformers, you know, doing the music for it, you know, the, the touch. Um, he's done some music for, like, the... Uh, the um, video games and the touch has also been brought into like guitar hero and that kind of and thing. also his close return to the new franchise itself as well yep so we're all going to cover that and stuff um uh, so it's going to be an action-packed kind of um, few weeks on wrestle uh, retro shock sorry um coming up after that um, on the 17th of July is Master Universe Chronicles, where I had an interview with uh, Brian Stevenson, um, who is the PR manager for Spy Monkey Creations. And uh, I've asked you all to go on the Pop Culture Network um, forums and stuff. Now, it's not too late for you to do that. If you're listening to this and you think, here, I didn't ask any questions, head over to Pop Culture Network forums or go to Master Universe Chronicles on Facebook. Leave a question there. The best ones to get read out. Obviously, I can't ask all the questions because we'll be here till doomsday. I don't want to be here till Doomsday. I know. Right. We're near enough to the end. Right. Now, the 24th of July, because on the 17th of July is when we're recording this one, and it's going to be with a certain guy who's already been on the show talking about Star Wars. And that guy is Pixel Dan. Hey guys, Pixel Dan here. Join Chris Vint, Alan Price, and myself as we discuss one of my all-time favorite video game characters, Link, and his appearance in The Legend of Zelda series... On Operation Retroshock. Hi, I'm Pixel Dan. No, you're not. Aww. Anyway, Pixel Dan is coming on to talk about one of his favorite video game franchises of all time, which is Legend of Zelda. Now, this episode will be whenever we uh, review and release our top 20 uh, video games of all time. We will also be asking Pixel Dan to contribute his top 20 mm. games of all time, which he will obviously read out on the show. And that'll be the first part, of, first port of call, um, or maybe towards the end. It'll be somewhere in it. Anyway, yes. uh, whether we um, throw them up and then a couple episodes later we decide to pick some of those topics and talk about them. Whether we choose one from Alan's list, one from my list, one from Pixel Dan, and one from a certain listener whoever it may be, one that has the most random entry that we go, oh, I remember that game. Oh, yes, yes, I remember that, yes. Yes, we it. Um, so we'll be discussing that. Um, sure, save some for later. <sighs> yes. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, the last uh, Sunday in July's uh, Master Universe Chronicles commentary. So if you got sick to death of hearing my voice, Alan Price's voice, uh, tough luck for the last couple of months. Because your summer's filled. Yes, and so is ours. Um, I think we're just going to take a, a month-long hiatus in August, aren't we? Well, we may be taking a trip in September to have a wee break, but that is for severe... Well, is that a f- uh, feast we're going to? We're going we, 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 we may have a summer fest, but you never know. Oh, no, <laughs> heaven. 
And no, we aren't going to SummerSlam, everybody, before you get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and sorry to crush everyone's dreams who thought that we were going to interview Peter Cullen. As fun as that way have been, uh, no. Never say never, because after these three movies are done, he may be up for having a chat, because he won't be as busy. You never know. Because he's already done like Transformers Prime, and it seems to be like a lot of people saying that he's kind of just phoning it in. <laughs> You know, so you never know. That might be my birthday present for next year. <laughs> what I get, I get nothing. Well, you'd want He-Man people, so it doesn't. Yeah, get me John Irwin. That's what I want for my birthday. Interview with John Irwin. Is he Steve Irwin's brother? <sighs> Good night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, pal. Great Skull Street. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. Boo What? Boo The Foster's advert. Okay. Well. uh... Can I go away and get some shrimps? <sighs> Okay, um, well, that really just wraps it up. You know, thanks for... We did so well, and then you just ruined it all by saying something stupid like, Can I get shrimps? I shall stab you with the pen. Oh, on that note, folks, uh, I've been Chris Vint. I've been a murdering Alan Price. Stabby, stabby, and we'll see you in the next episode of Operation... Ah! I'm in the knee. I should really swear here, but <laughs> my knee. <laughs> See you soon, folks. Oh, I'm going to claim. If he lives. Ah, oh, got lead poison. Bye. Everyone has a dream that fills their heart, a journey they must take, a destiny to fulfill. As close as your imagination exists a magical place where wondrous creatures with incredible powers help make dreams come true. It's the world of Pokémon. People can capture Pokémon to be more than just pets. Human trainers and their Pokémon compete against others in amazing contests of skill and strategy. The best trainers one day become Pokémon Masters. That's a dream that burns brightly for many, but none more so than Ash Ketchum. The pride of Pallet Town began his Pokémon journey on his 10th birthday. That's the day he qualified to become a Pokémon trainer. Professor Oak gave Ash his very first Pokeball. Inside was an electric Pokemon with whom Ash would spark a lifelong friendship. Pikachu! Pikachu! Together, Ash and Pikachu are determined to fulfill his dream of becoming the world's greatest Pokemon master. Joining them on their quest are Misty and yours truly, Brock, in the incredible world of Pokemon. <laughs>